0: 25 years ago, I first fell in love with that song. A baby boom performer named Kenny Loggins released a a December album, and it was on that. And as the team was talking just this summer, looking forward to today, and saying, you know, we'd like to, so many concerts, uh, make a pitch for sponsoring children. We'd like to reach out to our children through our crowd, and and, uh, we'd like to make the theme around Jesus as that child. I said, boy, I got just the song. And why did they do an amazing job with that? Some children. The song is not uh, meant to be an understanding that uh, it's some subjective. Well, how do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Uh, He was very particular on how you should see him as he grew. As an adult, Jesus was very clear and exclusive. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Meaning no one gets to heaven except through Jesus. And so I thought, okay, I I know stats in the past, what they are. I thought I'd go ahead and Google what current attitudes are about heaven. So where would we be without Google, huh? Um, In fact, I was thinking about that. And I thought, you know, Google's 25 years old this year. And if you're old enough, I remember if you wanted to do research before Google, you went to a place called a library. (laughs) And you looked it up in a magazine or in a book, and then you made a copy. You killed a lot, of paper, a lot of trees that way. So basically 25 years ago, none of us did research on anything. Okay. But so, but thankfully now read, Google, we can, with a touch of our fingertips or just a thumb, we can look it up. Well, studies show uh, by the Pew Research uh, Corporation that at least 80% of Americans still do believe in an afterlife. 75% of us believe in a heaven. About two-thirds believe in hell. It's kind of curious. Uh, But when it comes to believing in an afterlife, the Bible's pretty clear that all of us will spend eternity in one place or another, heaven or hell. It'll be the eternity of our choosing. And so we encourage you tonight, that's why the first emphasis is to make room in your heart for Jesus. That song does tell us or invite us to imagine Jesus in your world, understanding you. His humanity, He's like you, He's like me, and that's the point of that. And yet it goes way beyond that baby in a manger. In fact, Christmas uh, doesn't begin and end at the manger. It began way before that, centuries before that, when God saw the condition of the world and that we need a Savior. And so it was prophesied by prophets to great specificity. One prophet, Micah, who spoke over 700 years before Christ was born, said that this baby would be born in Bethlehem. That'd be like a prophet seven centuries ago saying something was going to happen in Vandalia. You know, it's like, no hints, this of Vandalia, we live there. But it's like that precise. At the same time, it didn't end at Christmas. Jesus, as you saw the opening video, he was born to become someone, to show himself as the son of God, to preach the power, show the word and the power of God, display God's love, but then to die on a cross. The only baby we can think of that was born to die on purpose. He paid the price for your sins and mine on a cross and was buried in a tomb. and death couldn't hold him, he rose from the grave. And before he ascended back to heaven, he promised he'd return. And so no wonder when that first Christmas happened, if I can read for you from the Gospel of Luke, there were shepherds, the Bible says, tending sheep on, their, on the hillside at night. An angel appeared to them, and, and it says in Luke, Do not be, the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's good news for you. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now let me stop there for a minute, just unpack that, because we tend to fly right through that. We hear that quoted. We'll sing about it. We'll watch it in a special. It's in in Christmas cards. The angel said, this is good news of great joy for every one of us. Then, ever since, and now. Why? Because the Bible says something that we know intuitively, and that is that all of us have sinned and fall short of the perfection of God. Anybody here never sin? Keep your hand down. You just don't know it, all right? We've all sinned. And God is perfect. He's perfectly holy and just. And so wherever God is, it's mutually exclusive of you and I and our sin and our imperfection and our failure. And so it's good news because every person ever born needs a Savior. And so the angel announcing... This is good news of great joy because now you don't have to face the future with hopelessness or despair or fear because there is a Savior. He went on to say, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Can you imagine that scene? Wouldn't it have been cool to be a a shepherd on the hillside? And first of all, to see that angel, I mean, that would just be mind-blowing enough. But then an, an, an entire angelic choir appearing before you and declaring that incredible news. And so, then and ever since, people have had to make a decision. You have a decision to make about Jesus. Most of us have. If not, you will, even if by default. And the question is, will you make room in your heart for Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's why he came. First and foremost, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. Without him, spiritually, you're lost. And so the question for you, if you're living without Jesus in your life as your Lord and Savior, will you make room in your life for him? Some people would think, well, I don't really need him. Some people are under the impression that serving Christ or being a Christian is for people whose lives are broken and they need help. And I'm doing fine just as I am. And maybe things are good economically for you, financially, and the career is good, and the family, and your relationships, and your health, and all that's good. But that still falls short of why Jesus came. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I come that you might have life, and you'd have it abundantly. And to those of you who are living a full life, and it's an abundant life, and you really don't think you need Jesus, I would would encourage you to ask the question or wonder, is your life full of the right things? There was a guy that Jesus talked to and my Bible has three adjectives about him. And if you have those three adjectives now, your social media accounts are like huge. He was rich. He was young. Prince, probably good looking. And a ruler. He was large and in charge. He had it all. And he came to Jesus in a conversation thinking about, okay, what about heaven? What do I need to do to, to inherit eternal life? And when Jesus laid down the gauntlet of decision, the Bible said he walked away and wasn't willing to make room for Jesus. And so for those of you, life's going well. We don't need an ancient reminder that we can look to Hollywood and we learn there intuitively that just because you've got wealth and success and fame, it doesn't make life worth living or satisfy us on the inside. And we see people of of tremendous fame and success and and fortune. Their marriages explode, their lives implode, and some of them even take their own lives tragically because they realize, I filled my heart with things and my life was full, but it wasn't full of the things that really matter. One philosopher made the statement that the fact that our heart yearns for something that earth can't supply seems to be proof that heaven is meant to be our home. If you've talked to people and maybe it's you, if you've been honest with yourself and and, well, you've got it all, but you don't have Jesus, there's still something missing. You can have loads of money and it's not enough. Loads of success, and then it makes you insecure. When do I lose it or whatever? It's like that there is a longing in our hearts for something more. And I believe God put that there because he wants you to long for a place that is indescribable and it's heaven. If that's you, make room in your heart for him tonight. On the other end of the continuum are some people who are reluctant and make room for different reasons. And for you, uh, your heart is guarded and you've learned to kind of pull in and maybe it's because you've been hurt or wounded, betrayed, disappointed, Tragedies happen happened in your life and you just can't take the, the pain of it anymore. James Dobson reminds us that mental and emotional pain is less dramatic than physical pain but it's more common and it's also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal inner pain increases the burden. It's easier to say, My tooth is aching, than to say, My heart is broken. And so that's confirmed to us. Again, if you Google the search, we don't have to, but anxiety and depression are at epidemic proportions like never before. And here's the irony. In a day and age of social media, when you can see what all your friends are doing with, the, with just a tap of a thumb, loneliness is crippling. It's a pandemic. Hearts are empty. And in that, some, instead of throwing your heart open, decide to pull in and withdraw to protect and go into self-preservation mode. C.S. Lewis said to keep our heart from being disappointed, and perhaps broken, we must give it to no one. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all the entanglements. Lock it away safe, alone, and in the dark. But in that safe, motionless place, it will change. It isn't likely to be broken, but to become hardened, impenetrable, and irredeemable. While this avoids vulnerability and loss, such hearts still long for love. And if I'm stepping on your heart tonight and things that you're struggling with, I beg your pardon. I don't want to make you defensive or angry. I'm not disregarding the pain that puts you there. But we'd encourage you to make room in your heart for Jesus because a relationship with him is the remedy for a wounded heart. Some children see him. The Bible says that Jesus understands us and knows your feelings, knows your heartache, knows your hurt. In fact, when he spoke in a crowd, he said, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden and fill in the blank. So whatever your difficult state is right now inside, he said, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you a sense of (sighs) inside. He didn't say, I will fix all your problems. And let me be clear that I am not making the claim that once you accept Jesus, Life is problem free. Everything always works out and you're always happily ever after. And every person who agrees that that you found that, yeah, that doesn't happen. Would you say amen with me? But he did say in the hardship, I'll be with you. He said, when the pain is unbearable, I'll comfort you. When you're prone to anxiety and overwhelmed with fear, I will give you peace. That's what Jesus promised to do. We have to make room in our heart for him rather than withdraw and shut him out. But I want, to, I want to be clear in that one, one more category. And as we're anticipating this weekend, this one can hit me late in the process. I want, to, I want to speak to those of us, and while as Christians we can, a lot of wounded Christians are here, and you're in that withdrawn category. But I want to talk to those of us who have made room in our heart for Christ. I accepted Christ and made room for Him over 50 years ago. And I don't know when you said yes to Jesus for the first time or repeated that, But I want to speak to those of us that would identify as Christians. Yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. Just honestly answer the question between you and God. Is he front and center in your heart? Because what I notice is that over time, lots of things happen. And people can crowd in, and demands can crowd in, and things can crowd in, and activities and whatever. And my life gets more and more and more and more and more crowded, and my heart gets more and more and more full. And before I know it, if I'm not intentional about it, I've kind of pushed Jesus over in the corner some way, or somewhere, or some of you maybe he's even pushed out in the garage of your heart. If hearts have a garage. But some of us we've allowed life to become so full, he's an afterthought. Devotion is an obligatory, got to get around to it, maybe I will. If you can remember back to the day when he was just front and center and you were all about him and and you were so enamored with him and you were making a difference and serving him in in a relationship and all that was thriving, did he ask you to change that? Did he say, okay, I've had enough, now just put me over in a little spot here and I'll be fine. Because as I thought about that, Jesus in the margins. I don't think that's where he... I know that's not where he wants to be in your heart. And as we're... This whole evening is an invitation to make room in your heart, believe it or not. I want to be clear about one thing. I don't want to do a bait and switch in making a decision. Jesus is not low maintenance. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he's not a low maintenance Jesus. Just tell him. He's, he's not, okay, pray this prayer, ask for forgiveness. Okay, you're forgiven. Everything's good. I'll just stand over here until you die. Jesus uh, Jesus is high maintenance. Whatever that means to you, it's a day-by-day day thing. He says, if you want, first of all, if you want to follow me, whoa, follow you, yeah, make room in your heart, you're, you're not in charge. He is. You're not setting the course. He does. We follow him. And then he says, talk about high maintenance. If you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross once in a while. Daily. And follow me. I wake up every day and I have to say, Stan Tharp, you're in the back burner. It is Jesus first. I have to die daily, Paul says. He's a high maintenance relationship. And so before you Before I make the ask, before you make the decision, is he worth it? I went through a a couple of dozen scripture verses about the benefits of saying yes and making room in your life to Jesus. First of all, in our identity, when I accept Christ, when when I say yes to Jesus, in Christ I am a forgiven person. Say forgiven. I'm free from the guilt and shame of what I have done wrong in my past. Now, some of us are masters at just minimizing what we've done. Everybody else's sin is a big deal. Mine isn't. Well, that's a wake-up call in itself when you realize that our righteousness is like filthy rags. But some of you know what I'm talking about, and you carry guilt and shame with you that once you ask for Christ to forgive you, you don't need to carry it anymore. Another incredible benefit is in Christ, I am a hope-filled person. Say hope. I live knowing that I have an eternal home. And Paul says it best. I consider the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that's to be revealed to us. I've got endless hope. How tragic it is to not have room in your heart for Christ because the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Another benefit is in Christ I have a healthy sense of identity and potential. I mean, Paul said, I'm comforted this very thing. He who began a good work in you We'll continue to bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When you say yes to Christ, when you make room in your heart for Christ, he says, great, I've got a plan. Let's go. Let's maximize who you are. Another incredible impact of making room for Christ is in Christ, I'm an optimistic person in the place of adversity. Why? Because one verse says I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Another verse tells us that I'm confident since God is for me, who can be against me? Philippians 4, I can see the best in a situation or people once I've made room for Christ in my heart because he does that and he rubs off on me. I'm truthful and I can speak the truth in love as Christ is in me. As a Christ follower, I have a heavenly father who loves me and wants what is best for me. As children, all of us are somebody's child. And maybe dad didn't do a great job in your life and maybe he was gone altogether. As children, we were made to have the love of a father. And when I make room for Jesus Christ, the love of his father goes directly to me and it soothes a wound, fills a void that no one else can. When I follow Christ, I'm loved and as such, I am a loving person. How many of you have some people in your life, let's be honest, they're a little tough to love? 12 of us, great. All right, how many of you have a hard time being honest? All the rest of you, raise your hand, All right. But the love of God overflows us. and He makes even the, the hard to love people we can love. When I fail, God will scold me. No, when I fail, God will help me carry on. He's the God of a do-over. He's God that says, okay, let's learn from that, maybe forgive him for that, and now let's move on from that. When I make room in my heart for Christ, when I do sin, God forgives me and he forgets it. Wow. Don't you wish you could do that? Forgive and forget. We try to. Don't you wish other people would do that? Forgive and forget. But thankfully, God does. First time every time. One of the benefits of making room in my heart for Christ is that God is gracious to me and He leads me and He blesses my life now and forever. As a Christ follower, when I have Christ in my life, I am in an ongoing state of renewal and restoration. My thoughts are powerful through Christ. Do you know that as a Christ follower, my life can be transformed and the transformation process starts after I accept Christ by simply what I think about right here. Romans 12, verse two. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Why? By God renewing your thought life. And and boy, in this day and age when I don't even, does anybody else intentionally find yourself watching less news? Stresses you out. And yet, I have an internal peace that guards my emotional and mental well-being because I've made room for Jesus Christ in my heart. Makes sense. Jesus is the one who said, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is the one that when the disciples were freaking out and panicking in the storm in the boat, he said, peace be still. So if he dwells in my heart, he's not a nervous wreck in my heart. His peace emanates to me. In my life, I experience a sense of expectancy and power when I pray, and the struggles and pain in my earthly life don't compare it to what's ahead. Those are some of the positive impact that I experience, that you experience, that we experience when we make room in our heart for Christ. And if you say, Well, I accepted Christ however long ago, and a lot of that's missing, well, maybe it's because He does demand to be front and center, He demands to seek me first. And so maybe tonight you need to reconsider, have I marginalized him? Have I pushed him to the corner? Do I need to clear some things out so he can be first and foremost again? It's no small ask. You heard the closing line of that song, and it sounded very serene and beautiful, but he said, oh, lay aside these earthly things and with your heart as an offering, come worship now the heavenly king tis love that's born tonight. The wise men did that. We read about them and we, we don't even pay attention to the magnitude of what they did. These are our royal scholars. They're from the East. We don't know if it was the Middle East or the Far East. But they studied Scripture and they studied the stars and they put two plus two together. They realize, you know what? There's a star in that region. And it lines up with what's been prophesied here. And so they headed off to Bethlehem uh, to to see Herod the king. And in Luke chapter 2, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi, these wise men from the east, arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Do you realize what the phrase we've come to worship Him involves? Hundreds, maybe a thousand or more miles away. They had to, first of all, pack up a caravan consisting of donkeys, maybe horses and camels. That to anticipate what are we going to need for this month's long journey, this miles long journey, what we need in, the, in terms of, of lodging, we have to pack tents, what are we going to need for food for us, for the animals? There was no there, there was no sheets or Buckies to pull over into, all right? I haven't even been to Buckies yet, I just threw that in for those of you that are Bucky's fans, because it seems like once you go to Buckies, you like convert, convert everybody to go to Buckies. I'm not driving to Kentucky for Bucky, right? So. But one is coming to Huber Heights. I don't know if it's good or bad. It made the news. We're getting a Bucky's, but, but they didn't have any of that. They make this arduous, for we have come to worship him. No pat on the back. And then when they got there, they experienced his holiness and the overpowering, overpowering presence of God. They fell on their knees and they gave him treasures and they worshiped him. Talk about making room for Jesus. But that's been the standard That's been the practice then. It's meant to be the practice ever since and now. And so take a moment as this song is shared and reflect. Do you need to make room in your heart for Jesus? Maybe the first time when we come back to him? Or as a believer, do you need to remake room because you've forced him to the margins? Consider that.
1: in my heart.
0: you'll notice the words weren't be the partner in my heart wasn't even be the president of my heart but the king of my heart the nation we partner with in Eswatini is the last monarchy in Africa and what the king says goes in fact when we started our ministry there the nation was called Swaziland a few years ago the king decided just because he's the king he's changing the name of the country So he did. There's an interesting parallel there because when we accept Christ as king of our heart, we go through a bit of an identity change as well. In fact, one of his disciples, Peter, went from Cephas to Peter. The name change was symbolic of the transformation. And the transformation, make no doubt about it, it's huge. Again, the words of that song are appropriate. It says, let your spirit invade and the world fade away. If you haven't accepted Christ yet, he doesn't say, well, let me in and we can rearrange things. We'll tweak a few things. No, it is an extreme makeover. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. And if you're here tonight and you haven't accepted Christ yet, we invite you, or maybe you did, but you've drifted, you're no longer serving him. You need to recommit yourself. We invite you to make that decision tonight, as dozens did last night. Say yes to Jesus. Take the risk. It's a little unknown. I surrender my life, and you're in charge. How do you do that? The book of Romans, the Apostle Paul tells us, he said, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And I love this verse for the scripture says, whoever believes in him shall not be disappointed. What I've told you is true. When you accept Christ in your life, when you make room for him and you surrender your heart to him, he begins a change process that it's not instantaneous, but it starts now and will continue the rest of your life. And so I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads with me. And if you're here tonight and you need to accept Christ you need to make room in your heart, just quietly whisper that to him. Jesus, I need to accept you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. If you're already a believer, would you take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart? Have you crowded him out? Have you allowed things and pursuits and just life as it passes to become so busy and full that, to be honest, Jesus gets your leftovers instead of your best? Do you love him, like, as much as you always have? And maybe you need to do some kind of gentle repenting and Lord I I I re-surrender to you if you're here tonight I invite you to pray this prayer with us I'm going to ask everybody to pray it just so people don't feel singled out it's a prayer of surrender how do you begin a relationship with somebody you communicate to them how do you begin a relationship with God through Christ you communicate with him and we call it a prayer would you just say this with me dear Jesus I come to you today Thank you for being born as a baby in a manger. I thank you for the hope of Christmas. Tonight, I surrender my life to you. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. I believe you you rose from the grave. I believe you conquered death. And I thank you for promising eternity to me in heaven. From this day forward, help me to grow to know you, to love you and serve you, and follow you the rest of my life. I thank you for hearing and receiving me. In your name I pray. As I pause before we conclude that prayer, I'm just going to ask believers to whisper a prayer of resurrender. Maybe a prayer of apology because Jesus has become such an afterthought or there's so many other things that have gotten in the way. And just ask him to take center stage over again. Might be a little scary, but it'll be best. Lord, I'm sorry. I get so distracted and overwhelmed and preoccupied and pursuits that push you aside. Thoughts and preoccupations. Lord, this Christmas, I ask you to be center stage in my life. I resurrender every square inch of my heart to you. Take over, do over again and again. Thank you for your amazing grace, for your love, for your patience with me, with us. We ask it in your name. Amen. If you pray that prayer to accept Christ, that's the biggest decision you'll make in your life, this side of eternity. And we want to help you with the questions that are going to come from that. And uh, so when you leave tonight, we have a packet for you. Uh, In fact, if you'll want to go ahead and shoot that QR QR code now, you can. But you make a big decision. You buy a car, you buy a house, you get married, you have questions, okay, now what, what does that mean? Well, when you accept Christ, what does that really mean? How do you begin to follow him? When you leave on your way out, there'll be people at a table. These bags will be, just tell them, I prayed the prayer, and they'll gladly give that to you to help you along on the next steps of that decision. And then before we close that, I also want to just double back to the opportunity, make room in your heart for one more child. And I'm going to speak primarily to believers now, although those who are not Christians are some of those compassionate people. Compassion kind of speaks an international language. I'm very mindful that God is an accountability God. And someday I'm going to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for my deeds in the body, the Bible says. Not my sins, they're forgiven. But how much of a steward was I of the opportunity and resources and time he gave me? How much did I model myself to be like Christ rather than to be like Stan? And in Matthew, Jesus makes it pretty clear there's a reckoning where he'll say, I was hungry to fed me. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink, I was naked, you clothed me. Jesus' half-brother James wrote a a book of the Bible, and James said, Here is the litmus test of pure and undefiled religion. It's not religious behavior. He said, The proof of whether or not you got Christ in here is caring for widows and orphans in their distress, and keeping yourself unstained by the world. And it almost sounds like a demeanor to say. But you can. You can make that kind of a difference in the life of, a, of an orphan. 20% of the people in SWT, the kids are AIDS orphans. For 90 cents a day, $27 a month. You can sponsor a child. And it's amazing the difference. We just had a team come back uh, that our child sponsors and they visited several of the churches and they saw the kids. Everyone said, it's working. It's working. It's working. You may never go there. You may never meet them. Probably won't. But there's a heavenly father in heaven and his son are looking to us to make room in our heart for a child. And so uh, you can scan the QR code. I think we have it up on the screen, or we will. It's also on the map that you received. If you're not a QR code kind of person, us, ba- us baby boomers like to do it hand-to-hand, uh, there is a table in the lobby. There's our team there. Be glad to talk to you, uh, assist you in making that decision, making those payments. And then uh, regardless, just to the side of that, the team that just went brought back a bunch of crafts handmade by our partners in Eswatini, and the proceeds will go back to them. So if you'd like to help in that way, you can. So with that said, uh, the second part of the night is just about to begin, but stand together with us. We're going to celebrate with our grand finale, and you're going to be part of it. Hark the herald
1: angels sing Glory to mercy my God and sinners reconcile joyful all ye nations rise join the triumph of the sky Behold him.
0: yes, the following Jesus for the very first time, we want to make sure that you step outside. There is a table, some people there, and just simply say, I prayed the prayer, and there's a gift full of resources for you on your next walk, the spiritual uh, journey with Jesus. Also, if you're visiting for the very first time, can we give it up for our new guests tonight? We want to welcome you here tonight. Stop by the Welcome Center. We got a gift for you. For everyone else you received a map uh, as you're coming in, there's so many things all around this campus. Enjoy a few. We love you guys. See you this weekend. And one more thing. From the tech booth to the musicians, backstage, the singers, and our guest leader, Isaiah Templeton. Would you give it up for all of them? Great job. If he looks familiar, Isaiah was on our worship staff several years ago, and now he's in Elevation Worship. So God bless you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, guys. Great job. Merry Christmas. Joy joyful we adore Thee